You are listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Solomon Earhart and Alan Draper, where they will discuss scaling and growing your pest control company with the goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. As people called in, we didn't sell people that didn't need our services. It wasn't about sales for us. I mean, it was ultimately, right? But it was about selling the right clients. So if someone could fix something on their own, we would just explain it over the phone. I mean, they, they just weren't our client. Hmm. And so we would go after the clients that, that we really wanted and that, that would, you know, would be advantageous for our business. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. I'm excited about this episode. I, I'm excited about our podcast, Saul, to be honest with you. I'm excited about the direction that it's headed in. You know, for and we've talked about this a little bit before, but this is a hobby for us, right? Like you and I run pretty large pest control companies, right? Like, yep, I would say so. I mean, top 100 at least. You may not post your numbers, but you know, we're at least in the top 100. Yeah, I was gonna say when you said that, I was like, aren't you excited about every episode we do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know I always say that, right? <laughs> Our guest today has actually had a successful exit. So we're going to get into some of that. We are currently running a competition, right? A giveaway. And we're looking for reviews. So whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, go ahead and leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what guests we should have on, what topics we should be covering. And I've, I've been receiving feedback actually, Saul. Nice. And so we'll go through some of that so we can kind of help fill in the gaps in the industry a little bit. Our giveaway goes until, is it the 27th? 27th. 27th of January. And what we're giving away is a 30-minute kind of powwow session with both Solomon and I. We have different experiences, actually. And so combined, we can. I, I feel like we, there's a lot of value that we could add to, to people that are you know trying to get to the next level with their pest control companies. So make sure to leave us a review and you'll be entered in the drawing for that. All right, let's get to it, man. Let's get it going. Our, our, our guest today, Darren Huffaker, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that he had a successful exit recently, and he's actually he's been on the boardroom buzz. And I listened to that episode, and I don't catch all of them, but those guys do a good job with that show, especially if, you know focusing on on that process of uh, of selling your pest control company or whatever. And and they really know their business, so I'd recommend that you go check out that episode. Today we're going to focus on. I, I have a feeling that our episode is going to get all over the place, but we're going to talk about the ups and downs of owning a pest control company and his experience, you know, over the last twenty years, and maybe touch a, a little bit of uh, on his exit and what he's been doing since. So, welcome to the show, Darren. Thank you. Good to be here. So, what's it like? You know, not. I mean, because the pest control business is a grind, and then from one day that to the next, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. So it's been uh, just about two years. Come May, it'll be two years. I've enjoyed my time with my family, had just a great experience, and I've been able to pick up um, some different hobbies and and really just enjoy life. And it's it has worked out the way we expected it. So life's been good so far. <laughs> so Darren, I'm sure I'm sure everyone's wondering, you know, do you do you miss the pest control life now that you're not in it anymore? I do actually. I I miss business. Period. I'll just put it that way. Because outside of the pest control business, in come two thousand nine, I actually owned five different businesses in a variety of different industries, and so pest control was our biggest, and so that's where I spent most of my time. So I, I love business. 
I do miss pest control. I, of all the businesses I ran, pest control by far was the easiest and best because most industries you have ups and downs. So like, for example, one of our companies was a disaster cleanup. The problem is with disaster cleanup is you get in all these floods and you've got to hire a whole bunch of people and pay a whole bunch of people to, to get it done this week. And then next week you have no floods. And so you're always balancing labor and profit. I mean, there's no way to just sit there and figure out what your profit is going to be at the end of the month because you just have no idea what your revenues are going to be. Pest control, and you sign up contracts. And if you know your numbers, you know what the bottom line is going to be. You know how many techs you need to add. I mean, it's 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 simple math once you understand it. I mean, pest control is just an unbelievable business model. Now, what actually kind of drove you to choose to get started in the pest control industry? Yeah, so I actually didn't choose it. I married it. So my, I actually went to BYUI. Well, it was Rick's at the time. I spent a year there, went on an LDS mission, came back, you know, got married after like eight months. My father-in-law owned a small pest control company down in Southern California, uh, just outside of Palm Springs. And he invited me to come be his business partner and gave me a small wage. And so I love business. So I took the opportunity, went down there and we grew that business uh, pretty quick and and had some great success at it. You know, what's funny is that everybody... Everybody says like, you know, I fell into the pest control industry, right? And that's kind of one of our our little jokes. It's like nobody chooses <laughs> to get into pest control, but but very few people really leave it. I think there's some techs that will that will leave it, but you know, you you get in it and I mean, I've just come to love it. I think there's a lot to love about it though. You know, I mean, I think the big thing for me is there's just so much to learn about the pest control industry, just pests in general, but also operating a pest control company, the sales, the marketing. I mean, I, I still think to this day, I, I think the pest control industry is years and years and years behind in marketing and, and sales than a lot of other companies. Yeah, I'd agree to that. In fact, I, I mean, so I am associated with uh, with a company in in Texas. Hmm. It, they're the door-to-door sales pest control company. <laughs> hey, yo. So I haven't left the industry completely. <laughs> and you're not able to tell us who it is? Probably not yet. Okay. <laughs> so is this is this a new is this a new thing that you're you're kind of diving into or is it something you've kind of been yeah. a part so, of? Okay. Yeah, I've been with them a couple months. Hmm. It's been good. I've been getting more into like business advising and investing into pest control companies and a few other industries, but but yeah, that. But I agree with you. I guess my point was is I agree with you. I mean, if you're a door to the sales guys, the same pitch has been the same pitch for like yep. 20 years. I've been in the industry for over 20 years, and it's the same pitch on the doors. Yep. <laughs> as it's as it was 20 years ago. So I mean, there's there's some aspects of pest control that has never changed, and most companies in the industry just don't change. But I do think there's some major things that you can do to improve the industry and your business. I mean, what I, what I think is the, the area of huge improvement for pest control is more on that, the digital marketing aspect, right? It's like, I know we, we all come kind of from a door-to-door background, right? All three of us really, I'm guessing so. And so that's what a lot of times we talk about, but it's just like, I mean, you think about it, it's like, dude, no one in the pest control industry is really maximizing 
the technology and the things that are out there with digital marketing in that uh, that marketing space really and it's like i'm i'm just really curious to see how that's going to change and, and kind of convert over the years i know alan i know you guys are working on some stuff but mm. you know just thinking like geo you know geo te- geo target marketing you know different different things like that i mean social ma- media marketing i mean there's almost barely anything really it's like besides running f- some facebook ads but a cool thing that we that we're about to launch at Arusa here, and I'm super excited about it, is we we did our first like real production professional commercial shoot a few months ago, and so we're about to launch it on all on demand platforms, so Hulu Prime. Um, oh, YouTube let's TV, go, Saul! Spectrum TV. Let's go! We got a great, like a great catch line, and and Does something Saul that make a cameo. Go off of. Oh yeah, I'm in there, baby. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so awesome. I'm super excited to kind of launch that because obviously you know our CMO came from Killingsworth, right? His dad owned Killingsworth, and yep. when they exited to Antisemics, Antisemics ended up bringing the marketing in house and, and cut him. Hmm. And then so we we snagged him this year, and and he's he's awesome. But Killingsworth did a really great job of just kind of taking over market share in Charlotte area, you know, but they did a lot of commercials, you know, and really kind of ran their top of the funnel from their commercials and then got it really narrowed, you know, to the purchase side of the funnel from there using that, those commercials. And so I'm really excited to see how it's going to play out, you know, just as far as development and and awareness, but, you know, you don't really see that much. Like I've seen, you know, maybe Orkin do a little bit of stuff to, to, with that. I mean, you'd think they would do more. They got billions and billions of dollars, Terminex maybe as well, but they just don't. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, and and Darren has a cool story about early on a video that he had made that, that got some traction. I wanted to ask him about that. I was talking to an undisclosed pest control company owner a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that they put on 40,000 recurring accounts last year, none of them on the doors. And and our minds, right? Our minds, and and there's some, there's different, definitely some longevity in the market. There's some brand awareness. There's some, you know, but it's like forty thousand, right? Our door to door minds are like, wait, you know. So there's definitely some opportunity there. Darren, tell us about that video that you made that that got some traction. Yeah, so kind of covering both aspects of that. So I don't, so you probably don't know our history, but when we sold in California, we actually went in with 30 door-to-door sales into Arizona. So we owned in California, sold in California, took the money, went to Arizona to start over because we just wanted to get out of California. We had 30 door-to-door sales guys. We spent over a million dollars. And at the end of the end of the year, we had 300 and some odd thousand dollars in revenue. So I'm not a door-to-door sales guy. <laughs> we did terrible at door-to-door sales. And we we failed miserably after three years. I mean, we were barely at six hundred thousand, and so it was miserable. And but what then, were you spending the money on? Because we're we're commission like a hundred percent commission, so it's it's actually tough to yeah. So so what we decided to do, and rather than hiring a door to door sales company, we hired recruiters for our sales guys, and we ran the door to door sales company, and so and we had no experience at that. Well. David, my brother, had sold for Clark like everybody else in that generation did. Mm-hmm. And so he had some experience at it, but they just, they weren't good and we weren't good. <laughs> so we failed miserably. What was the pay structure like? It, it was commission based, but then you have all the, we expected so many accounts. So we hired so many techs 
And then, you know, oh, we were covering, you know, so we, we didn't understand the balance. They didn't cover everything. We overspent. Then at the end of the year, we're trying, we're grasping at straws because we have all these overhead expenses. We're trying to gain clients. And so ultimately we just, we spent a million bucks and got, you know, nothing. Hmm. So we failed miserably at the door-to-door sales. Desperation calls for inspiration, right? Because now we're in debt and we, we can't pay our bills. And so my wife did the, got involved with the SEO and the online system. She asked me every day to, to give, get her a video. I just happened to show up now in Phoenix. Our number one pest is scorpions. So I just happened to show up at a house, break out my Blackberry, take a video of my treatment. Scorpions are just coming out all over and dying, which never has happened before and never did since. Hmm. But I happened to get, get it on video. We put it on Facebook and it, it pretty much, it just went viral. And so we changed, we changed at that point from trying to figure out how to get clients to try to figure out how to be profitable because we weren't profitable. We were stacking on accounts. When Responsible finally sold, we were like, you know, we would come in on Monday and there'd be like 20 to 30 accounts that were already sold. I mean, just online. I mean, they just, they just sold it, you know? And so every day our online sales, we, we, we left the door-to-door sales guys behind because these online sales were costing us 20 to 30 bucks. Jeez. And, you know, it's ridiculous to, to have door-to-door sales guys. Now, Darren, so, you know, coming in on Monday, 20, 30 sales, how were you guys collecting those sales? Did you, were you using like a third-party system or were they done through the website where they were kind of filling out, putting card on file? Like, how were you collecting those when you weren't there? Yeah. So again, I was with Pestback since it was a disc. So mm. every time Pestback came out with new technology- we Is would... it not still a disc or? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Pestback? What's Pestback? Never even heard of it. So- when they came out with their online, we were building our own online system, but then they came out with theirs. And so we just hmm. scratched that and we used theirs. You just scrapped yours. Yep. And so Pestback would actually collect the credit card, set up the initial and do all the work for us. So it was already, already it was done when we came in on Monday. Like everything was scheduled. Credit cards were gathered. Yeah. So it was just just already done. Now the pricing that you were posting online to like collect those sales was it pretty aggressive pricing on your websites? You know that you were you were posting to collect those sales over hours, or was it like normal standard pricing? So when we first came into the market, we were just pretty close to everybody else on the independently owned market. So I mean, again, there's a difference between the independents and like Orkin and things like that. The price, yeah, there's a big big difference. In Phoenix, there's a lot of people that will do it for pretty cheap. So mm-hmm. we were oh, yeah. pretty competitive price-wise, but as we progressed and we would continue to raise those prices. And so we were normally above what the, the market was when we were selling online towards the end. I mean, it was it was definitely more than probably 80% of, of the market was charging in Phoenix. But at that point, we had a good good name. And so it just really didn't matter. That makes a big difference. Yeah. Cause like for us, I mean, since we do door to door, right. It's like, we can't really post like aggressive discounted pricing or even discounted initials. Right. Because then our door to door guys are going out there and they're, you know, selling high initials or higher monthlies or, you know, less or whatever. And then it's like the customers go online they're like, Oh, the pricing's different online than what you quoted us. So it's like, we have to like mark our stuff up higher online 
you know, so we don't really get as many of those buy online purchases like some companies do because we have the door-to-door guys going out there. So it's interesting how that kind of plays out. Yeah. So we, we actually, our highest price was online. So, I mean, the people that bought it, they, they paid the highest price. And then we had a system that, you know, if it was a larger home, we had to actually go, they scheduled a free estimate or whatever, but, but our highest price was online. So I would, I would say that if you're not getting the online sales, it's, it's probably not a price issue because the people, what we found is people are at work, right? And they just, the new, the new generation, they, they don't want to do a phone call. And if they're at work, they're not going to call you. Mm. And so they want to just go online. They want to buy their, buy the services. If they, if they trust your content online, they trust your company because you have great reviews. They're just going to go online. They're going to purchase it, have it all scheduled. They don't want to deal with it. The new generation just doesn't want to deal with it. And so they'll just take care of it online. and You don't have to think about it. So would they schedule it right then too? Absolutely. Now, what, where did you find that was your best resource to get leads when you were doing online? Was it SEO, like your, your Google search ranking, or were you guys doing Google ads, Google local, local services, Yelp, Angie's List? So we had a variety of different things, but I mean, SEO was probably our number one as far as getting the, the price down. We did use some AdWords, but we, we used very little AdWords. And in fact, we were growing at such a pace that we we would shut everything down mostly by like June or July because we just couldn't we couldn't get enough good guys to continue the pace. So we would shut all of the outside advertising down by June or July. So we did very little AdWords or any of that stuff or Facebook. Once our labor reached a certain point, we we just couldn't we just couldn't bring on more accounts and and do a good job. So we. Yeah. So most of it was SEO. Absolutely. And yeah. And that's like, that's like the beautiful nightmare to have right there to have to turn off your marketing in June. <laughs> I know Alan's just like cr- I don't cringing know what that right feels now. Like. <laughs> yeah, We've that's all been wild. there at some point. We've all been there at some point. Well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, you get frustrated, right? Because you're like, man, I could be tanking on the accounts right now, but you know, you just, you can only do what the labor can do for you. So like, give me, give me a truck and let me go. I'll go out there and service them myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, cool. So, so you, you got started in the business. You were there 20 years, you now sold, right? So, you know, what, what do you think was like that unique thing that really made your company stand out against the competition? Cause like I lived in Arizona for 12 years and, and I did a little door to door just to try, try it out in Arizona, just you know, keep my game fresh during the off season. And I mean, it's competitive out there. I mean, I had heard some $30 bi-monthlies, $40 bi-monthlies, you know, there's like a thousand mom and pops, you know, on every block. So like what made you stand out against the competition? Yeah. So there was a variety of things that we did. You know, number one, we, we came from California and we found out we had bark scorpions and like we had, we didn't have scorpions period where you're at. I mean, very rarely we did. So the first thing we did was we were, we're out selling accounts, these door-to-door sales guys, they got scorpions, we're treating them, we're getting retreats like crazy. Like, I mean, unbelievable. And so then we just, we're just like, man, we can't handle this. Like this, this isn't going to work. You know, you talk to the manufacturers, you talk to the, the reps, chemical reps, and they're telling you, oh yeah, you need to use this, you need to use that, whatever. You know, we just didn't buy any of that. We went and gathered up a hundred scorpions and just 
started using products on them. So that was the first thing we did. So then we figured out exactly how much or what what that's going to, what the best solutions were. And there was a combination. We actually couldn't use one product. We had to use a couple products in the process and we set up the systems. And then after that, we did exactly what we said we were going to do. So, I mean, there was no question, you know, if someone had an issue, we fixed it and it didn't matter what it cost because we considered that advertising cost, right? If, if, if someone had an issue, we, we would fix it without any doubt. I mean, there was never a question and we just looked at the advertising as advertising dollars. Now, in, again, in the Phoenix market, it's extremely competitive. So if you have a 4.9 star rating, you're not going to get the business because there's another guy next to you that has 5.0. Well, we figured out that it takes 55 star reviews to rebuttal a one star review. So what is that worth to me? You know, I'll drop a thousand bucks. I'll, I'll give the guy his last years or two years of service back in cash if I can't fix his issue because that's what it's worth for me. So no matter what the cost, we would just make sure that everybody was absolutely happy. It just, and then once people see that, they just build on it and then they trust you as a company. And also as people called in, we didn't sell people that didn't need our services. It wasn't about sales for us. I mean, it was ultimately, right? But it was about selling the right clients. So if someone could fix something on their own, we would just explain it over the phone. I mean, they, they just weren't our client. Hmm. And so we would go after the clients that, that we really wanted and that, that would, you know, would be advantageous for our business. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I think our industry, there's a lot of people in our industry that are always trying to get as much as they can out of a customer. And like, I just see all the questions, right? So you'll see them like, yeah, I have a customer and they, they're not happy with the service, but they still owe me $25 or whatever. And I'm like, just shaking my head, let it go, man. Like it's at the end of the day, you're going to have a net loss by arguing with this customer. But that's an interesting perspective. Like, Hey, if somebody, and I trust me, like Sometimes with with me, if I you know we get a one star review and we have really good reviews that we've battled for over the years, but I've never thought about okay, I'm going to give them like a year's worth of service. That's that's next level, man. Dude, Aruza, Aruza, if we get a one star review, my my managers know that you do whatever you need to do to get rid of that review and get it resolved. Well, then after the customer gives you the opportunity to correct it and make it right and get it done, whether they remove the review or not at that point, right? Whether we refund the customer the whole year, every dollar that they've ever spent, or we, you know, fix whatever, or we, you know, whatever it is, we paint their whole house. I don't know. I mean, we've done a lot of crazy things, right? But it's like, you know, we do, we go one more notch above it, right? So we we're we're sending flowers or we send a dinner gift card or we send a, you know, like one lady, like this lady wasn't even a customer. And one of our door to door guys on his Segway rode across her lawn on his way out and left the little wheel marks in her grass. And she called or she left a, a bad review online. And so we call her and we're like, Oh my gosh, we're so sorry. Da, da, da. And she's like, you know, I, I take, you know, we're like, look, you know, give us your landscapers number. Like we'll call and we'll pay for your next 
service. We'll get this taken care of. She's like, oh, no, I'm retired. I do the whole lawn myself, you know, and it's not even a big deal. I was just kind of upset that, you know, he went through my lawn. You know, it's like I spent so much time taking care of it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful lawn. I mean, it's so green, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's like, I'll go remove the review. I was just a little upset. So she removed the review without us having to do anything. And so then we go on Amazon and we find this like a gardening massive gift kit like right like everything you would need for gardening and we just ship it to her house and she calls us and she's just ecstatic right and then she literally signed up for mosquito service right so it's you never know it's like those little things right like another example is you know we had a lady not even a customer again too but we had the little door flyers that the sales guys stick in and they i always used to shove mine all the way through the door so they could see it from inside but this guy just kind of shoved it in the door a little bit and there must have been some crazy weather over like a week or whatever just like crazy rain winds it ended up like sticking the the sales flyer to her door and imprinted the print onto her paint onto her door so you can see our flyer from and so like she called and she was freaking out and i went out over there and i repainted her whole entire door and i ended up ended up selling her pest control right so it's like you just never know those little things you know it, it just makes a huge huge difference right so saul do you have like a hierarchy of like steps or do you just go straight for the jugular so some someone leaves a one star review like proof we have like steps, right? What we offer. And it's the same thing we do with cancel. Someone calls in to cancel. We don't like throw like the entire thing at them all at once. We like stair step. Do you guys do something like that? Like where it's where your people have like this discretionary budget or whatever? Yeah. So we kind of do, but it's like more maybe unspoken, right? So it's like really my thing was always just do whatever you got to do, right? Mm. Now, obviously, you know, you know, our new, you know, guy running our ops now, I mean, he's putting more stages in place, kind of like you have like different tiers and steps to kind of work through, you know, but my biggest thing I tell him is like, look, I don't, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, whatever you think's best, but the, at the end of the day, like we do not want those things staying online. So you do whatever you got to do to make sure that they don't. Yeah, that's crazy. So with you, Darren, you guys just you guys just went for it. It's like, hey, whatever it takes, we're we're not holding back because we know what this is gonna do. Not for this person necessarily, although it definitely helps, but for you know, for the people that are gonna see the review and for the brand, right? Because our brands now are created online, which didn't used to be the case, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think probably the biggest thing is to deal with it before it gets to that point. I mean, there are some of those that are going to be, you know, hey, the guy's just a bad customer. He's going to write you a one-star review just because he's going to, and he writes it for everybody. Yeah. But for most of them, you, you just have to have a process in that catches those issues before it happens. Like, hmm. you know, we would have a system set up. Our office was completely different. If you heard the podcast on the buzz, you know, we did, we did things completely different. We, we had all of our clients tagged to a specific CSR. So all communication came to that CSR from that client. So mm. they, it, when the phone rang, it rang directly to that CSR. When they sent a text, it went directly to that CSR. When they went on chat, whatever, any communication that came into the office went directly to that CSR. And so that customer had a relationship with that CSR as well as their tech, you know, that's important to have that relationship. And that CSR had all the rights to fix an issue at any point. Like they just- No limit. No limit. They could just fix whatever they needed to fix. 
like no issues. And they didn't get to, we didn't get to that max one star, you know, that one star view very often because they just dealt with it. And they had the relationship with the client that they could just, you know, they understood. And they also watched, like they had the same text because they could see, so they would see, hey, this is the second time we've been out for a retreat. You know, the manager's going out now. You know, this, this is, it's not the tech. It's, it's the manager's going to meet the tech out there and they're going to figure out what the issue is. And so you, you have to have these, these methods in that are going to prevent you from having the one-star review. Now, Darren, I got a question because I know you stated that, you know, let's say you gave the guy two years of free service or you paid him cash for his prior service and you, and you would consider that like an advertising cost. So I'm curious, like, were you, were you actually putting those dollars under your advertising expenses on your chart of accounts or were you reducing revenues from the top line? You know, that'd be a David question. He was the financial guy on that side, but I would, knowing David, I'm sure it went under my advertising because <laughs> that was really, that's, <laughs> yeah, because that's, because that's interesting, that's level, I mean, you know, right, right. Where you actually move that. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is interesting because you got to think, I mean, well, what if some of those revenues are from prior years, right? And if you're refunding a whole service and part of it was realized in say 2020 and part of it 2021 and you're comping the whole thing, you got to put that somewhere. Now you could do like, you know, reduction from the revenues or whatever, but it, it'd be interesting, I guess, if you were actually expensing that under the advertising, you know, under the advertising. Yeah. And of course it would probably depend on what it was. You know, I've replaced a variety of different things. So, you know, rather than just giving cash back. That's crazy. I'm sure we've all had to do some some interesting things. I remember there was one guy and this was like maybe our second year or third year. And he was like, we used to use the power sprayers, you know, in the back of the trucks and he was filling up the tank and started driving away from the house and never like unhooked the, the hose. And so the, and they had one of those like big boxes where you would reel the hose into, right? And so that thing like ripped off the house, took out the gutter and then he was driving down the road and the box was just going back and forth across the street, just hitting the I'm like, like, dude, from like a Chevy Chase movie, bro. Like, dude, the most craziest. I mean, I feel like in pest control, you just get the craziest stories. And we could, we could have an episode where we just tell crazy stories about what door to door <laughs> and techs like have done. I had a tech that the, they just they had this like walk around like enclosed patio, just laid cement, and he's just doing his thing. And just footsteps all the way around, dude. <laughs> just wild. But yeah, we could definitely, we should, Saul, we should have one where we just unleash the stories. Oh yeah, that would be funny. Just don't let techs listen to it because they might get some ideas. But <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So so Darren, like you, you've got 20 plus years in the industry. It sounds like you're involved with a company in Texas now, which that's awesome. It's nice to get guys that have this experience and this knowledge to kind of stick around a little bit one way or another. But what, you know, we all learn things from how we started, but what are some things that, and it was a while ago for you, but when you first started, you know, those first two or three years, what are some things that you would do differently now that you have, you know, several decades worth of experience? Yeah, well, the number one thing that I would change is that I would go with the the online marketing. I mean, we talked about that before. I mean, I absolutely would. I've I've dealt with one of the door to door. The company I'm with, Texas, do a lot of door to door sales, 
And, you know, the problem with door-to-door sales is it's, it's cash. I mean, you're, you're coming out of pockets, some serious cash, right? Yeah. I have a good friend and I won't say what companies with They're a very large company. It's huge in door-to-door sales and it becomes almost a, a crutch. Like, it does. I mean, cause the, the lifespan of a door-to-door sales account is much shorter than one where you get online. Yep. And so in order to meet those revenues, right, you got to increase your door-to-door sales. Like, because you have the, the bottom of the bucket that's going out farther. And his frustration was, it's it's a crutch. Like, I, I have to pay for these door-to-door sales every year in order to reach my revenue goals. And so, I do think there is a role for door-to-door sales. I think that door-to-door sales are awesome for moving into a new market. But I think, which gets you your branch established, but I think that at that point, it should just be pulled out. I mean... Hats off to those guys that keep doing it. Alan, I'm sure you do it. <laughs> but it's like cocaine, man. I mean, I can imagine, right? Like <laughs> you just see that you just see that growth. And and every year, I swear, we're like, hey, and and I don't know that we'll ever cut our door-to-door teams because that's a huge asset for a company, right? That has has developed a program over the years. Absolutely. We just built an, an office in Orem right in between UVU and Provo. Yeah. Spent a lot of money on a brand new building. It's actually pretty nice. So you got to check it out. But Super nice. I saw, some, I saw some videos. It's really nice. You know, that is how we've built our companies. But every year we're like, yeah, we're really going to push the envelope with digital, right? And, and I hear you, Darren, it is like, I mean, especially after hearing my friends say that they did 40,000 new accounts without door to door. And so we're learning this stuff, man. And we spend so much money that, and a lot of digital marketing is figuring it out. It's like, okay, what's going to work. And in some of our markets, proof absolutely crushes it online. We do really well in Michigan. We do really well in Massachusetts. In Arizona, man, I feel I'm embarrassed. I don't even all I know how to do in Arizona so far is lose money. Okay, guys. Like I'm good at that here, <laughs> but it's so competitive. And so, but but I hear you. That that's the thing is that the door to door is so addictive. It's so flashy. Right. It's like, hey, how many accounts did you sell? Oh, I have a guy that sold 500 accounts. Like it's so flashy, you know, but you're right. I think we need to get more involved in, in the digital marketing. Clicks in 2021 doubled, man. My, my cost, average cost per click doubled in 2021. But even after that, my, co- my cost per customer acquisition was still lower than it was on the doors. And I know all these things. I know the longevity is better. And I think one thing that really opened my eyes to it was years ago, four or five years ago, somebody called me, they were canceling. I was trying to save them. And they're like, look, Alan, I I didn't even call you guys. You guys came to my door. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, what difference does that make? Like you still, you've still been, you've been with us for a couple of years, but in his mind, it was different. Right. And so that kind of speaks to the longevity of the, you know, of them coming to us, which is the entire reason why Elon Musk cut Solar City, right? Cut their door to door program is because he, that was his to the board of directors. He's like, look it, we don't go to people. People come to us with Tesla and right, SpaceX and all the things that he's doing. But 
if someone can show me a way, like I'm happy to kind of diverge some of these funds to, but I'll still this year. So I'll spend a fraction of, you know, what we'll, what we'll do online compared to our budget on the doors. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a no brainer, right? I mean, you're going to always pay far less on, on online and it sticks more. And I think sometimes you can get a better contract value too, because you're not having to drop prices so aggressively to like do switchovers or things like that. Right. At the same time, it's like when you go to these industry events too, like NPMA stuff and or state, you know, association things. It's like, everyone's like, and that's the thing with door to door. It's like, Oh my gosh, like you're growing so fast. Like we want to do door to door. I'm like, man, you do not have the stomach to do door to door. You know, it's like, I mean, it's like babysitting, you know, 200 frat guys for four months. Right. It's like, (laughs) you have no idea, you know, I mean, it's, it's insane, you know, but everyone wants those growth numbers. Right. But, you know, a lot of people aren't willing to really deal with the stress or the headaches of that or, or the cost as well too, you know, it's there. And I think there's a balance. If you can get it in your culture where you know, you, you train your guys the right way. They're still going to say some crazy stuff, do some stupid things They're You know, everything's on video now. Cops getting called. Yeah. yeah I mean, anytime you're paid a hundred percent commission, like, dude, I mean, you're fighting out there for a livelihood, right? It's like, you're going to, you know, to a degree, you're going to do what you need to do to make that sale, you know, based on whatever your integrity is now you know, obviously you focus on bringing on guys with good integrity and, and, you know, they stand pretty firm, but I mean, look, you've got to put food on the table, right? So like, they're going to make that sale if they can. And, and, you know, I think a lot of the attrition we get in door to door, right? You hear it's like, well, you know, the guy really sold me on it, but I don't really think I need it. So I just did it for the year. And, you know, and, and, and I've had a lot of talks in industry events, right? So with NCPMA, I've done a couple and an MPMA one because everyone, you know, wants to hate on door-to-door sales, right? But it's like we've proven, you know, through numbers that door-to-door sales has increased the market share for pest control as a whole. So the door-to-door industry is the one industry that is actually increasing the customer base overall for pest control sales, you know? So it's like, we need it, you know, but like you're saying, Alan, to a degree, maybe right At at a good ratio. Yeah, I think there's a balance and it has to be. And there are some companies out there that really do our industry a disservice. And I'm not going to mention their names. Everybody has kind of one or two in mind. But for them, and I always say those companies, they're not pest control companies, they're marketing companies, right? That just happen to do pest control. Yeah. Yeah. What their strength is, is marketing. And sometimes you'll see them do other types of marketing. At the end of the day, I think there's a right way to take care of your customers, regardless of how you acquire them, how you guys, how you make the connection. You know, getting back to to you, Darren, and 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 your path. What's what's next, man? Are you gonna, you, you know, you mentioned that you're doing some consulting, and are you actively looking for new companies to kind of to help out, or what what what's the future hold for you? You know, I just kind of take it day by day. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. My 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 phone tends to ring with opportunities pretty, pretty regularly now. And so I'm, I'm always open to, to, to opportunities. I do have a lot of stuff in the, in the pipeline. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just see how it goes. I, I do plan to, to jump into the industry pretty heavily real shortly. So I do, I do plan to jump back into it. I, you know, I've, I've got my, my game plan and it's, you know, 
I like to just be ahead of the industry just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's the thing, you know, with, with any business, you know, any business, it's always about incremental improvements. Like you create the systems, but then you improve it just slightly. And if you have the right people on board that understand that and improve every aspect of the business, you're going to be way ahead, way ahead of any competitor, and you're just not going to be competing in the same market. Yep. Now, Darren, question for you, you know, more or less maybe for our listeners, but I think it, it kind of fits all of us, right? Because our listeners are probably, you know, just starting out or maybe, you know, running a small operation or it's growing pretty quickly, obviously, because they want to start and grow their, you know, their pest control company, become millionaire, bug money millionaires, you know, obviously, you know, selling your business is a great way in the end to kind of make that reality come true, right? So, would there be any like tips or tricks that, you know, going through the M&A process that you maybe have learned or experienced that could help some of these guys in the future if they were to sell their company? So the M&A process really comes in before that. I've talked to several different companies. I'm advising several different companies. And what I've found in most small companies is they don't understand the numbers. They, they just don't, don't even look at it, right? They're the day-to-day operation. You know, you we've got some great companies like PCO bookkeepers that, you know, they put you up against everybody else in the industry and give you a report once a month, but they don't even know what to do with that. What do I do with that? Okay, my profit margins, you know, my cost of goods are 55%. I realize they're supposed to be, you know, 50 or lower, but how do I fix that? And and so for for the small companies, they just need to be looking at to be successful, there's three things you gotta have. One you need to know how to advertise, right? You need to know how to put on accounts. If you don't know how to do the digital, you need to get out and knock doors. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, I, I did it. I hated it, but I could sell accounts one a day. That's all it takes, right? But one, you need to have, figure out how to sell, do it online, knock doors. Number two, you need to have systems in place. You need to have great customer service. So all the customer service, you need to have systems in place where you can you can, you know, make sure you're given excellent customer service. The rest of the growth kind of carries off of that, but you have to have those two combined and they both have to be really good. And then third, you have to understand your financials. In the industry, I think it's what rule of 23 now, if you grow 20%, you need to have 3% profit margin. Or if you grow 15%, you need to have 8% profit margin. You know, that's, I disagree with that. I'm sorry. I mean, we we grew at over 20% every year and we had 20% profit margin. I mean, you need to figure out how to do that, whether that's negotiating with your vendors to get lower prices or just talking to your vendors to figure out why you're over applying or why your techs are over applying, figuring out how those applications are done. So, and then once you have those systems in place, then everybody on the team needs to figure out how to improve it by just this much all the time. And otherwise you're just going to sit with your competitors. You're just going to you're just going to be eye to eye with your competitors. You're going to be battling it out day after day with your competitors. But once you take each incremental advancement, pretty soon you're in a different level and you're not competing against your competitors. If you're competing against your competitors at that point, it's not a customer you want. <laughs> because they're not paying enough or they're they're, you know, too much of a pain to keep on. 
So if you just keep improving everything, you just have to look at every aspect of your business and improve it all the time. If you go through that process, when it comes down to the M&A, there's going to be buyers. They're going to be standing in line to buy you. I mean, there's that's just the way it is. I mean, we're really in an industry that's awesome because we have big buyers all the time. But when you're at a higher level, they're they're going to pay the higher multiples. They're going to they're going to look at that. Hey, you're growing at twenty percent. You're making twenty percent profit margin. That's just not found in the industry. So your multiples go up. Nice. Now, do you recommend for for maybe smaller companies to have a broker take them to the market, or or could they t- should they take themselves to the market? Maybe save some of that money. I mean, I'm sure I know you were on the the boardroom buzz, so I'd imagine <laughs> probably worked with with Paul G and those guys. So you know, let's say they're maybe a smaller company, maybe just a, a million, two million in, in annual revenue. What would you recommend for them? Sure. So I I don't know if you knew, but I actually. When I sold in California, I went without a broker and I chose the company that I thought was going to be best for my employees and be best for us. And what happened was they had way better legal teams and way better understanding than I did. And so when it came down to it, you know, when we finally got to the end of the last paycheck, you know, it was 20 to 30% less than what I had expected. But that was how it was written in the contract. And I just, and I even had a lawyer that I had paid to, to review, review everything, but there was just certain aspects that I didn't understand. So I got taken basically. I mean, I mean it was, it was written. And so I, I didn't really get taken. I understood it, but I personally would go to a broker. Now, as a buyer, when I bought companies, because there, when I was in California, I bought companies. When I went to Arizona, I didn't because no one provided the same price that I did. So I didn't want to buy somebody that provided less service for less price. So it wasn't a value to do acquisitions. But in California, I did acquisitions and I would prefer to buy some without a broker because we could sit across the table and negotiate and come out with, with the end. But I would say a smaller company, I, I would still go with a broker and I, I would go with a broker that understands the business. I'll give you an example. So my son, is he's a, he's a business guy, of course. He's still going to college. We looked into a business that was up for sale and she had a broker that didn't really understand the business. Well, she listed, it wasn't a pest control business, it was a floral business. Well, she listed the business and the building for less than what the business was worth because the broker really just didn't understand. Of course, we went ahead and bought it, even though I'm, he's not really into the floral business, right? And, and now we're a year in it and you know his, his business and building are now worth $250,000 more than what he paid for it. You know, So I think you should have a broker. And I think you should have a broker that understands our industry because the local brokers really don't understand it and they don't understand the valuations right now. Yeah. That's my opinion. I mean, (laughs) again, as a buyer, I don't want to hear that, but. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, and I I think, you know, in the pest control industry, we're, I mean, I don't know too many, I don't know much about other industries, right? Because I've been basically in pest control for a while now, but I mean, I think we're fortunate to have some really great brokers in the pest control industry that just completely understand pest control and how it works. 
and have those good relationships with the big buyers, you know, the guys who are, who are actually buying them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That makes a difference for sure. Well, guys, hey, we're running short on time. This is one of our longest episodes. This may be our longest episode that we've recorded. That being said, Darren, what you know, what did we miss? What's the question, or what 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 do you want to put out there in the in the pest world? What do you want people to hear or know, or what what's something that you wish we had asked you, or or something that you wish you know you could tell somebody that's that's getting started or running into some issues finding techs or or whatever. What's what's something we can close on an idea from a guy that has experience that I don't have yet that I may not have. I mean, he was, he was really involved in the industry for two decades. What do you want to leave us with? I just want to say, you know, we're in a great industry in this industry. It just takes someone that wants to work hard and, and, you know, just go work hard, realize you're in a great industry, learn as much as you can read every business book that you can possibly can. I don't have a degree. I didn't, I didn't finish my degree. Hmm. I learned everything from Phil Collins and, you know, whatever I could in books. I, I just read it yeah. and, and I began to understand it. So this industry is just anybody that wants to work hard can be a millionaire in five to 10 years. They can, they just, they just want it. You just have to want it and, and work hard at it. Yeah. Well, Darren, don't forget that's a, a bug money millionaire, by the way. Yeah, bug exactly. money millionaire. Okay. <laughs> yep. Anybody in the industry can be a bug money millionaire in five to 10 years. You just got to want to do it. I mean, that's awesome. There's not a lot of industries like that. So Darren, how can people find you if they want to reach out to you, pick your brain about something? What's the best way for them to reach you? You're welcome to, I'll put this out there, but I'll, I'll put my email out there. It's uh, responsible services at yahoo.com. So that's my personal email. You're welcome to to communicate with me. I I am open and you know open book. Love to love to help the industry. Love to help everybody in the industry and as succeed. So awesome, love it. We'll put that in the show notes. We're also going to put a link to the to the scorpion video. I I want to see that. <laughs> oh, I gotta see this that went viral. We'll put that in the show notes also. So. Well, it's been a real pleasure, Darren. You know, there's there's a lot of people watching what you're doing. We appreciate you paving the way for some of us kind of falling behind you a little bit. Appreciate what you've done done for the pest control industry. Doing things the right way, man. Doing things the right way. We appreciate that. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being our guest and, you know, helping us clarify some things and get some great information out there. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next episode.